It's good to be with you. Um, hey, if this is your first time here, my name is Garrison, and uh, I'm, I'm the pastor here at Veritas Dayton. Uh, we are very, very glad that you are here. Welcome, welcome. We hope that you feel welcomed and loved and served. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Galatians 5, Galatians 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 15, continuing in our series in Paul's letter to the Galatians. If you don't have a, uh, a paper, uh, a, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a white paperback Bible at the edge of each bench. You can grab one of those. You can turn to page 576. 567, I always switch them, Uh, 567, um, and uh, the chapter number is 5, that's the big number on the page, and then the the little numbers are the the verses, you can turn to chapter 5, verses 3 to 15, and that's going to get you where you need to go. If you don't have a Bible, take that one home, that's our gift to you, we'd love for you to take that home and make it your own. Uh, There's also, uh, you received a bulletin when you walked in, or you should have. Uh, there's something on there called the Connect Card, um, and we'd love for you to fill that out um, and turn it in uh, to myself or another leader or in this bucket up here or in the black box on the welcome table out here, any of those places. You can turn it in any of those places. Uh, it's not perforated this week, so you can't tear it off, but um, just turn in the whole bulletin. We don't care. Uh, and, and fill it out. That's just a good way for us to get connected with you and, and uh, get you connected with what God is up to here in our church family. Um, and you can request information, let us know a little bit about yourself on there. In addition to that, I want to particularly mention that there is a space for prayer requests on there. We would love to be able to pray for you this week. So if you would fill that out, jot a few things down that we can be praying for you about, we'd love to be able to pray for you. Uh, we count an honor to be able to do so. All right, let's dig into Galatians 5, 13 to 15. If you want to stand with me for the reading of God's holy and precious word, We believe that this is God's voice to us. This is God speaking to us. That's why we stand in honor of God's word. And that's why we want to listen now with reverence and with joy. This is what the Spirit says to you, church. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for calling us into freedom. We thank you for speaking to us in your word so that we don't have to wonder what it is that you require of us and what it is you've called us into. We thank you for life in Christ, freedom in Christ, joy in Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would grant that to us here this morning. There are those of us here this morning who who are wondering what this this freedom that Paul is talking about here is all about. What is that? What is is freedom in the way that he's talking about it? Lord, we, we, we ask that you would grant that we would taste and see that you are good and taste and see the freedom 
um, of life, union, fellowship with Christ. Lord, uh, we, we ask that you would also use your word now to kill sin in our lives to enable us, to strengthen us, to pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. Lord, would you let the the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Um, So Martin Luther uh, once wrote these words in a little booklet called Concerning Christian Liberty. He said, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. And that is every American's favorite Luther quote. Um, because we, we love freedom, don't we? Uh, we, we? We love the freedom to vote, and we love the freedom to public assembly, and we love the freedom of speech and freedom of religion and the like. And to be sure, all of those are very, very good things. Those are very good things, and we should appreciate them and be thankful for them. But we would do well to stop and ask ourselves, if what we mean when we throw around words like freedom and liberty is what Paul and the apostles and Jesus mean by those same words. Uh, Sociologist Robert Bella, reflecting on the typical American use of the word freedom, once said that freedom is perhaps the most resonant, deeply held American value, yet freedom turns out to mean being left alone by others, not having other people's values, ideas, or styles of life forced upon one, being free of authority and work and family and political life, and I may add church life as well. And so what Bella basically is saying here is that, that to the typical average American, freedom is nothing more than just being left alone, being left alone. But what we find in Galatians here which is often referred to as the charter of Christian liberty, what we find is that freedom is not being left alone. That's, that's actually not real freedom at all. Actually, true freedom leads to the exact opposite of that. True freedom leads not to independence and autonomy from others. True freedom leads to loving and serving others. And that's what Paul is getting at here is he pivots, he's pivoting here and talking about this wonderful freedom that we've unpacked for the last several months, this wonderful freedom and the claims that it makes on our lives. He's, he's pivoting here to talk about the ethics of a life of freedom. To, to sum up what he says, and this is our big idea for this morning, liberty in Christ is not a license to sin, but to love your neighbor. Liberty in Christ is not a license to sin, but to love your neighbor. We are to use this incredible freedom that we have in Christ to serve one another, not sin against one another. This freedom leads to love for one another and service of one another and mutual care for one another and patience with one another and forgiving one another. And if we don't use our freedom in this way, then the freedom goes away because we destroy ourselves. What Paul is talking about. Liberty in Christ is not a license to sin, but to love your neighbor. And so we'll unpack that in three stages. Liberty in Christ, license to sin, and love your neighbor. Firstly, liberty in Christ. Paul writes, for you were called to freedom, brothers. So last week we discussed uh, what is often called the effectual call of God. The effectual call of God. And, and this week our text takes us a little bit more deeply into what this 
this effectual call, what this is. Remember we said that the effectual call of God is when he sovereignly calls us into life in Christ through hearing about Jesus from someone else, right? So, so some of you were ask, uh, left asking, though, why doesn't everyone respond to the gospel when they hear it, when they're called? And Scripture gives us a category for that as well. The effectual call can be contrasted with what's often called the general call. The general call is the call on anyone in everyone's life when they hear the message of the gospel. Anytime a person hears the gospel, the general call is put out there. But there's a problem with just generally hearing the gospel. None of us are fit to respond to the general call of God. We are enslaved to sin. Ephesians 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And what can a dead person do when they're called? Nothing. A dead person can't do anything. When we share the gospel with someone who's dead in their trespasses and sins, apart from the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, it's just like calling a corpse and expecting the corpse to respond. It just doesn't work. But as Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, many are called, but few are chosen. Or in other words, many are generally called, few are effectually called. Many are generally called, many will hear the message of the gospel and not respond in faith and repentance, but few are effectually called. Few are quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit when that message hits their ears. And when the Holy Spirit makes that call effectual, He raises us from our spiritual death and we're called into freedom called out of enslavement and death and into freedom. And apart from this effectual call into freedom, we're not free. Rather, we're condemned and cursed and imprisoned and dead in sin. This is, this is everyone standing before God apart from being called into freedom. You either stand before God and relate to Him by yourself in your sin, in your slavery, in your death, in your stench-filled grave clothes, or you stand before God in Christ, that is, in freedom, in life, clothed in Christ's righteousness, fully and freely accepted by God. And when God effectually calls you, He calls you out from under the law and sin to live under Christ. He calls you into life in Christ which is just another way of saying he calls you into freedom. Life in Christ is freedom. And life in Christ is freedom because life in Christ means that we are free from condemnation. That life in Christ means that we are free from Satan's tyranny. Life in Christ means that we are free from the curse of the law and from an accusing conscience. And we are free from the elementary principles of the world that we talked about several weeks ago. We're free from the wrath of God. We're free. All those who have repented, that is turned away from their sin and trusted in Christ and his cross work and resurrection, have been called into the life of Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are free. You're forgiven for all of your sin, past and present and future. And Jesus' works and his righteousness is counted toward you. It's yours because of what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection. And you know what that means, Christian? That means that tonight when you go to lay your head down to sleep, you can rest assured that you're good with God. You're you're good with him. You're covered in the righteousness 
of Christ. And and it doesn't depend on your performance or your emotional state or whether you're feeling it or not. You're good with God. It means that you're free to just enjoy God, know God, and be known by Him because the pressure's off. You don't have to appease Him. You're good to, to just know Him and be known by Him and enjoy Him. The pressure's off. When you stand before God, you, you have freedom from final judgment. You have freedom from fear of judgment because when you stand before God, when Jesus returns, he will declare to you and to the whole world that you are not guilty because your judgment day took place on Calvary. You're free. You're free from yourself. You're free from, from pursuing self-fulfillment and, and looking for your identity and passing in unstable things like, like money and, and others' opinions and, and these relationships, success at work, or whatever else it is, you're free. You're free because God has declared you righteous in your sight and has said that he fully accepts you in Christ. You're free from condemnation. You're free from the curse of law. There's nothing that you have to do now. You're, this, is, this is given to you by God's full and free grace, his full acceptance. His smile is already yours in Christ. You don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. Just trust in Christ. Repent of your sin. This, this is free and full and eternally secure. You're free. But it's often asked, if, if that's true, if, if we are freely and fully forgiven, if Jesus' goodness is counted toward us rather than our own, rather than our sin, then shouldn't we just do whatever we want? If God is so gracious, won't people just go crazy and you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll and, and all the rest of it? Surely this is a recipe for license. Surely since where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, we should just... Sin, continue to sin so that grace may abound, right? We have fire insurance. We have fire insurance. We can't be condemned for our sins, even the big ones. So shouldn't we just continue in sin? And Paul says, no, absolutely not. Liberty in Christ is not a license to sin. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, Paul says. Now, up to this point, Paul has pretty much just been dealing with legalism in the church in Galatia. And legalism is a definite threat to Christian liberty in Christ. It's, it's, and, but the thing is, it's not the only threat to liberty in Christ. There's another threat to liberty and freedom in Christ, and it's called license. Okay, the gospel liberates us from legalism, but we are not to use this liberty as an opportunity to sin or, or an opportunity to indulge in sin. It's not a license to indulge in sin. And the word that Paul uses to describe this proclivity to indulge in sin here is the word flesh. The word flesh. Now, don't be confused by that. The word flesh in the way that Paul uses it does not mean like your, your skin. It doesn't mean like your uh, your your body. God created your skin. He created, <coughs> excuse me, he created your body. You know, it's, it was his idea that you would have a body. You're going to have a body in the new heavens, the new earth. When we're raised from the dead, God likes your body. He made it. It was his idea. That's not what Paul is talking about when he uses the word flesh here. What he means, what he's talking about is our sinful nature, our depraved nature, the sin nature that is still a part of us that doesn't want what God wants, that doesn't want God's will to be done. It's the part of us that desires to rebel against God and his good and gracious will. 
And for those of us who have been called into freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a new nature, a nature that wants what God wants. We are born again in Christ, and God's Spirit lives in us and gives us new desires. But that nasty old flesh is still attached. It's like this dark passenger that's sitting in the back. He's this, this dark passenger, and he's a backseat driver. He's constantly telling us to do these things that we really shouldn't want to do, but sometimes we still listen to his wrong and wicked directions. But Paul says that we should not use our freedom to indulge this dark passenger. Rather, we are to resist this dark passenger, not indulge him. We must not give way to the sinful desires and deceptions that arise within our own hearts. We are liberated from legalism, but that is never an excuse for satisfying sinful desires. You know, no, no doubt, over the last several months here at Veritas, our, our main focus has been to talk about God's free grace, free forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That's been the main focus of the text, and so that's been the main focus of our message. I've told you over and over again, you are forgiven, you are loved, you are accepted fully and freely in Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it. You tr- in Christ, rest in Christ, and it's given to you freely at Christ's expense because of what he has done for you on the cross. And in hearing that message, you may be tempted, and maybe you've already even given into the temptation to use that good news to become lazy in the Christian life, to become lackadaisical in prayer to weaken in your devotion to Christ and His church, to not take obedience to Christ's law as seriously as you should, to give in to lust, to to give in to that desire to be backbiting and and angry and and bitter and to drink too much or whatever else it is. After all, we're we're sinners, right? And if we're all forgiven by God's grace alone, then, then why not sin so that grace can abound all the more? Beloved, let me warn you, do not use your freedom as an opportunity For the flesh, do not use your liberty as a license to sin. If you use your liberty as a license to sin, it is not liberty that you have. It's just another form of slavery. Jesus said in John 8.34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. License is not an expression of liberty. It's an expression of slavery. Real liberty is being set free from sin, not being set free to sin. Indeed, if you use your freedom to sin, then you lose and abolish your freedom because you're a slave to sin. If you use your freedom to sin, it's no longer freedom. As Galatians 5.1 says, you submit again to the yoke of slavery. And notice, too, that sin not only enslaves, it also destroys. Verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Fleshly living in the life of a local church is like Christian cannibalism. And it will inevitably result in destroying true community and true relationships and true freedom. The the flesh is the sworn enemy of true community and deep relationships in the church. Listen listen to some of these works of the flesh, as Paul calls them. 
he mentions them in just a few verses later in chapter 5 here. These are some of the behaviors that are expressions of our sinful nature. This is what Paul says. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. Living in the flesh, living in license destroys churches. It brings enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and all the rest of it. And so Paul says, watch out. Watch out. Watch, watch out for this kind of behavior. It will destroy you. Watch out that you are not withholding forgiveness from one another. Watch out that you not harbor bitterness, bitterness from one another. Watch out that you not overlook minor offenses and make mountains out of molehills. Watch out that you not assume the worst about others' motives. Watch out that you not speak negatively about others behind their backs. Watch out that you not fail to reconcile with others after a conflict. If we fail to watch out, we are in danger of destroying the fellowship that we have as a church. In fact, Jesus even says, you you better not come to the communion table if you have any issues like this going on in your life. You, you, You better go reconcile to your brother. Don't come take communion if you got an issue like this with a brother or sister. Don't, don't come. Go reconcile with them first. That's why we do the passing of the peace before the sermon and approaching the Lord's table. So you have time to go reconcile to others that you need to reconcile with. Watch out for this type of behavior. Watch out for dissension, for strife and enmity. Beloved, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use your liberty in Christ as a license to sin. You will lose your freedom like that. But if this liberty in Christ is not a license to sin, then what do we do with this freedom? Thankfully, Paul lets us know, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what do we do with our freedom? We fulfill the law by serving and loving one another. I know that can be confusing. Paul has been railing about how the Galatians were living under law and how those who live under law have fallen away from grace. Now he's saying, you're free from the law to fulfill the law. That's exactly what he's saying. We, we are free from having to earn anything from God, free from having to obey the law in order to earn a righteous standing before God, but we're free to now live a life that's pleasing to God. We're free from obeying his law in order to earn his grace, but now we're free to obey his law as a consequence of grace. No longer under the law, but under Christ, we can now fulfill his law in loving and serving our neighbor, which is the fulfillment and summary of the whole law. And that's really how it must be, isn't it? If we had, if, you know, if we had to love our neighbor in order to earn a right standing before God and in order to, to be accepted by God, we would never earn God's grace because we would never truly love our neighbor. We would only serve and pretend to love them to get God off of our backs. But because of the great love with which he has loved us, because he first loved 
us, because he has so tremendously loved us and served us, we can in turn love. We can, in response, serve the liberating work of our Savior so woos us and transforms us that we are compelled to love and serve in gratitude. You know, I didn't actually finish that Martin Luther quote that we opened with earlier. To give the whole picture, he said this, A Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. But then immediately after that, he goes on to say, A Christian is perfectly dutiful, servant of all, subject to all. Both are simultaneously true. The Christian is free and the Christian is a slave. The Christian is subject to none. The Christian is subject to all. And not only that, Not only are those two things simultaneously true, but Paul, what Paul is saying here is that the latter is true only because of the former. We are only perfectly dutiful servants of all, subject to all, because we are perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. And in fact, if our freedom does not lead us to become perfectly dutiful servants of all, subject to all, then it actually isn't true freedom at all. It's the the cheap stuff. It's the, the blatant and obvious knockoff. It's, it, it's an imposter, a counterfeit. It's, it's skim milk, water pretending to be milk. <laughs> you know, Luther actually once explained this principle to one of his students. He'd been teaching this class about justification and forgiveness and free grace and how All of these things abound to us in Christ by God's free mercy, and we don't do anything to earn it or deserve it. And how none of these things rely on our own good works, but are only received on the basis of what Christ has done. And the student, he stands up and he objects, and he says, you know, if if that's true, then we may live as we want. We can do whatever we want if that's the case. And Luther replied, yes, now what do you want? This is the paradoxical reality of the Christian life. Freedom in Christ is manifested as slavery to your neighbor. Christian freedom manifests itself in the form of slavery to your neighbor. True freedom is being so secure in Christ, so at rest in Christ, so assured of the full forgiveness that you lower yourself to become the subject and slave of your neighbor. And I also want to point out the specific neighbor that we're called to love and serve in this passage here. There's no doubt that we are called to love and serve all that we come in contact with. Jesus totally revolutionized the idea of who is my neighbor when he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. But Paul, he's talking about someone specific here. He's talking about a specific people here. Notice what he says, through love serve one another, one another. He's talking to the Galatians about their specific local church community. The members of the church in Galatia, through love, serve one another. Always be on the lookout for those words, one another, in the New Testament. It's all over the place. It helps our, it drives it into us, our, our individualistic Western hearts that, that, that so badly desire autonomy. It drives it. There's, there's no such thing as the Christian life outside of community. You don't live that way if you're a Christian. Through love, serve 
one another. But how can we practically, through love, serve one another? Well, we can do the exact opposite of the things that I mentioned earlier that we are to watch out for. Instead of withholding forgiveness from one another and harboring bitterness against one another, as Paul says in Ephesians 4 too, we can be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Instead of not overlooking minor offenses and, and making mountains out of molehills, as 1 Peter 4.8 says, we can love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Instead of assuming the worst about others' motives, we could, as 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, we could bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things for one another. Instead of speaking negatively about others behind their backs, we could, as Leviticus 19 uh, says. The passage actually quoted here in Galatians 5.14, as it says, Reason frankly with your brother, and don't bear a grudge against him. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of failing to reconcile with one another, as Jesus says in Matthew 5.24, we can be reconciled. Be reconciled to your brother. Romans 13, welcome one another as God in Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. Be reconciled to one another. Forgive one another. Those are a few ways that we can, through love, serve one another. But there are many more. We can and must help meet one another's physical needs. We can and must pray for one another. We can and must meet together often to encourage one another to continue in the grace of Christ. And the list could go on and on, but in closing, where else do we see a better picture of what serving through love looks like than in Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and being found in human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Indeed, Jesus said himself that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christian, the Son of God, came, the second person of the Trinity came to serve you. He came, he emptied himself, and humbled himself, and subjected himself, and died a horrid, torturous death, gruesome, cruel death on a cross for you, for you and your salvation. For you and your salvation, the son became a slave, the, the Lord became lowly, the prince became a pauper, he became nothing, he emptied himself. He perfectly fulfilled the law in doing so. He poured out his life in love for God and in love for his neighbor so that you would know freedom and salvation. And now you're free, you're free from condemnation, you're free from having to earn or deserve God's kindness you're free from the curse of the law. But I would exhort you, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but have the same mind as Christ Jesus, and it's yours in Christ Jesus. Have the same 
mind. Use your freedom and liberty. You're being free from the condemnation of Christ to love and serve one another, to love and serve your spouse and your children. Those are your closest neighbors, actually. Love your neighbor. Your closest one is your spouse and your children. Love and serve this church family. There's so many opportunities for you to get involved in serving this church. There's so many opportunities. And let that, the abundance of that love and the multiplication of that service spill over to where you serve the city, serve your coworkers and your neighbors. Serve. And freedom to serve can only be found in Christ and his work on the cross because of the abuse, the torture, the death he faced for us. We're now liberated and free from condemnation. We're liberated and free to pick up our crosses, follow him into service, to love one another. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask as we're about to come to this meal, that you would feed us and strengthen us for service. To feed us and strengthen us, to pour out our lives, to have the same mind that you had. To not be served, but to serve. To humble ourselves, to empty ourselves, to make ourselves nothing, to be subject to all, servants of all perfectly dutiful. We know that this power only comes from you. This power only comes from union with you, from the power of your spirit. And so would you meet with us now and strengthen us? Would you do that in us? In Jesus' name, amen.